أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما من دابة في الأرض وما and not من دابة any creature في الأرض in the earth meaning there is no creature in the earth دابة is from دال بابة دابة يدب is to move you see living creatures what are living creatures what's the definition of living creatures Okay, those that move, but aren't plants supposed to be living also? But do they move? Some do, in the sense that they close in, they hunt in the sense that if there's any creature or something, then they eat it, so they close in immediately. But there are very few species that are like that. Plants don't generally move. Dabba yadubu is to move. Dabba is also used for it like a horse. Because it moves, it runs. It's used for transportation. So... Living things are, what we understand by living things is that they grow. They're not stagnant, they grow. They breathe or something like that. They have certain characteristics. But dabba is not every kind of living creature. Dabba is the creature that moves with its own will. It moves with its own will. Whether it is a caterpillar or a sloth or a bird that is flying in the sky or a fish that is swimming in the sea. It could be very tiny, like bacteria. And it could also be huge, like a blue whale. Plants are not included in Dabba. So Allah says over here, there is no moving creature fil ardi in the earth illa except ala Allahi on Allah rizquha, its provision. Meaning, Allah is the one who provides for every creature. Provides what? Everything it needs. From its food, to its place of shelter, to the air that it needs, to the water that it may need to survive. Allah provides it. And if this work was left to us, there would be nothing that would be alive on this earth today. Allah is the provider. This is amazing. There are creatures that migrate every season. Why? To get their rizq from a particular place. Allah is the one who put their rizq over there and taught them that you have to migrate from this place to the other every now and then to get your rizq. إِلَّا We do not even know the different types of creatures that exist on the earth. Let alone their numbers. How many species are there? Whenever we talk about the number of species, it's what? The known. Those that are known to us. And every now and then there's a new discovery. We don't even know how many creatures there are. And imagine how many meals they consume. How many other creatures they eat. Allah is the provider of every creature. You know a blue whale? How big is it? It's one of the biggest creatures, right? Biggest alive creatures, one of the biggest. You know what it eats? Its main diet, what is it? Krill. And krill is a small creature that lives in the sea that resembles tiny shrimp. Have you ever had shrimp? Now think about that shrimp. Now imagine a tiny shrimp. That's what that giant blue whale eats. And you know how many per day? It can eat up to 40 million krill per day. 40 million krill per day. Now imagine, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is providing that blue whale every day. It's eating 40 million krill every day. Not once a week, every single day of the year for its life. If it lives up to three years, its life is more than that. But if it lives up to three... Can you imagine the number of krill that it has consumed? And those krill, they eat something also. What do they eat? Something. Now imagine this entire food chain. Just imagine this entire food chain. The krill is feeding off of something. And these millions of millions of krill, who's eating them? Whales and dolphins and sharks and so many other creatures, even birds. وَمَا مِن دَابَّةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْقُهَا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْقُهَا Allah provides for it. And most of these sea creatures like krill, 
and other types of fish, you know, when they're moving from one place, from cooler waters to warmer waters for the purpose of reproduction or something like that, they're attacked on a regular basis. Recently I watched this short video clip from this documentary made by BBC. It was amazing how this one type of creature is moving from one part of the ocean to the other. How many times it is attacked? One type of fish. How many times they are attacked? And then what happens? They reach a particular place near the Arctic and they lay their eggs over there. And the whole ocean bed, everything is just covered in their eggs. Everything. And who's eating those eggs? Fish, crabs, even bears. Even bears that come to the shore and they eat those eggs. Migratory birds that stop in the way, they eat those eggs. Many of them and then they fly away. It's amazing. You would think that perhaps none of them will hatch, but yet there are millions of those fish. Turtles, they go to particular beaches at particular times of the month when the moon is at a particular stage. Then they go lay their eggs. Because by the time the babies will hatch, it will be easier for them to come to the shore. There will be less predators. But yet, there are birds that know that at this part of the month, when the moon is like this, that's when the babies will come out. So they go attack for eggs, and then they also go attack for the babies that are hatching, baby turtles. But yet, there's no shortage of turtles. And if they do go extinct, I mean, there's so many dhabba that we cannot even count. I was watching a video where there was a river and there was a forest beside the river and there was bears there and the baby bears, like the smaller bears, they would always take their fish and they would go into the forest because of the fact that they didn't want to compete with the older bears. So as soon as they would go into the forest, they couldn't eat all of the fish. So what would happen is the like fish would decompose into the forest and most of the like the nutrients the forest would get is because of the fact that the bears didn't end up eating all of their, like, um, all of the fish. And then in the spring, all of the nutrients that all the birds and animals would get was because of that fact that the bears couldn't eat all of the fish. Subhanallah. Yani everything becomes the rizq of some other creature. Some other creature. Because Allah is feeding His creation the food that they need. In this video, there was also... I think it was blue whale or one, one type of whale that was migrating with its baby. And a whole pack of killer whales spotted the baby. And they wanted the baby. They wanted to eat it up. Now, they used a technique in which they chased the mother and the baby continuously so that the baby would get tired. Now, for about three hours they chased. Now, eventually the baby's getting tired. Now, what they did, they tried to separate the baby from the mother, coming in between coming in between. Took another couple of hours. Now the baby's getting really tired. It needs to stay up on the surface in order to breathe. So what they did, they started attacking the baby from above so that the baby would drown. It took another like three, four hours to do that. And finally the baby just gave up. And when they attacked it to eat it, you know what they ate? Just the lower jaw. Khalas. Just the lower jaw and the tongue or something. And the rest of the carcass, uneaten. They didn't touch it. They just ate the lower jaw. After a chase of about eight, nine hours, that's all they consumed. Now you might say, oh, what a waste. That entire carcass is useless. No, it sinks to the bottom where there are numerous creatures that will consume it. Numerous creatures. وَمَا مِن دَابَّةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْقُهَا وَيَعْلَمُ And he knows مُسْتَقَرَّهَا مُسْتَقَرْ from قَفْرَرَ قَرَار قَرَار is to remain in one place. So he knows it's مُسْتَقَرْ meaning it's place of stay. Meaning where it will live on the earth. It's nest or it's den or it's you know waters. Where it's home is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. وَمُسْتَوْدَعَهَا مُسْتَوْدَعَ from وَوْدَالْعِينَ إِدَارْ is to deposit an amana. So مُسْتَوْدَعَ it's place of deposit. Meaning where the carcass will lie after that creature dies. Allah knows where its home is and where its resting place in the earth is when it dies. وَيَعْلَمُ مُسْتَقَرَّهَا وَمُسْتَوْدَعَهَا كُلٌّ فِي كِتَابٍ مُبِينَ Everything is mentioned in a clear record. 
Now it's amazing. Where certain creatures live, how they get their food, how they survive, how Allah guides them to go from one place to another in order to get their risk. In times of drought and famine, shortage of food, how they survive, who has taught them this perfect design? Who has given that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Watch this video clip. You'll be amazed. Water can provide a refuge from temperature extremes. While it's there, Southern Africa is frequently ravaged by severe droughts. For a fish out of water, death is usually inevitable. But these fish are not gulping air in vain. Their swim bladder forms a crude lung, allowing them to take in oxygen directly from the air. The lungfish escapes the desiccating heat by burrowing. It swallows the mud to excavate a chamber, passing it out again through the gills. Then it coats itself in mucus. As the mucus dries, it forms an impervious body bag that seals off the fish from the drought. River mud makes a secure chamber for the lungfish, but it's equally suitable for making bricks. As things go from bad to worse, the lungfish shuts down and waits for conditions to improve. Central Australia also suffers prolonged droughts. Beneath a dried lake bed, other animals are buried alive. The desert frog can survive entombed for seven years. It sheds layers of skin that form a waterproof barrier which prevents the frog drying out. Above, the search for water continues. The thorny devil can survive for years without drinking. Black ants provide all the moisture it needs, and it eats nothing else. There are other ways of quenching thirst in the desert. The frog's bladder holds a reservoir of drinking water, providing a good emergency supply for Aborigines. In the desert, little is wasted. The thorny devil has a unique way of collecting water. Capillary action. Its skin sucks up the liquid like blotting paper. A darkening band traces the water's progress across the skin until it reaches the eyes and mouth. A network of channels directs the water to the mouth. In this way, the lizards drink the morning dew that forms on the desert sand.
even in Africa, droughts must end. The lungfish may wait four years before the rainwater arrives to release it from suspended animation. By the end of the dormant period, the lungfish has started to process its muscles as food. But enough power remains in them to drag the fish back to water. subhanahu wa ta'ala provides for his creation for seven years for three years suspended animation it's just frozen in time waiting for more water but yet it doesn't die Allah has taught it ways to preserve its body have a reservoir of water within the body amazing وَمَا مِن دَهْبَةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْقُهَا وَيَعْلَمُ مُسْتَقَرَّهَا وَمُسْتَوْدَعَهَا Nothing goes to waste. Just imagine how much can a frog contain within itself? How much? Less than a cup? Alhamdulillahi alladhi afani mimma abtalaka bihi wa faddalani ala kathirin mimman khalaqa tafdila I was watching the reaction of many people when they saw the man drinking from that frog was of disgust. This is the time when we show gratitude to Allah for water that is endless, endlessly available to us. And people have to go search for other creatures that have water stored inside to drink from them. But nothing goes to waste. Even the dew and the drops that fall to the earth. I mean, look at how that lizard just went and sucked it up like a tissue, like a sponge. Assalamu alaikum. I was just thinking, subhanAllah, how the animals, uh, you know, they have patience to wait for Allah's risk. But as human beings, we don't have that patience. We go beyond the boundaries, we start lying and have haram uh, risks. You see, we are part of Dabba. We also move, right? We are also Allah's creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our provider also, just as He provides for that lungfish and as He provides for that frog. But that lungfish will wait patiently for three years. That frog will wait. Did you see how it was just sitting? Just sitting. And waiting for Allah's decree. But we become impatient. We think we are our providers. People are concerned about how they're going to feed the overgrowing population. Allah is the provider. I just say the water, having no water. Here in our country, like if you take it back from ours, like we, now it's summer, but it's raining every day, alhamdulillah. But if you, the attitude of most of us, what, why it's raining again? Why it's running again? If you if you compare this video to now our life, there's a lot of country places they're looking for one bottle of water, yes. and we are lost. Subhanallah, blesses with so much water, with the bottle water, with the running water, but we instead of uh, showing gratitude, we are complaining. Why we complain so about the overflow of blessings. We're talking about how the Allah taught the animals what to do when they don't have enough water. But when you think about it also, who taught that man how to find that water as well? Because he's in the middle of sub-Saharan Australia. Like, How much can you really know if he's in just you know, an aboriginal stuck in the desert? But he somehow knew that the bladder of this certain type of frog has drinking water from yes. me. And how he was striking the earth to see where that hollow sound will come. He didn't have any fancy tools. No fancy tools. Nothing. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created every creation and He also guided it. Guided it as to where it should go, how it should seek its risk. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided risk for every one of His creation. وَهُوَ الَّذِي And He is the one who خَلَقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ Who created the heavens and the earth فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَّامٍ In six days. Whether those days were long or short, 
how much ever long or short they were, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. But in six distinct periods of time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this entire creation, the heavens and the earth. وَكَانَ And it was, meaning it used to be, عَرْشُهُ His throne. His throne used to be where? عَلَى الْمَاءِ Above the water. Allah's throne would be above the water. Now which water is this? Where was this water? Why was His arsh on the water? He alone knows. We don't know the details. So why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us about something that we cannot fully comprehend, fully grasp? To let us know that He was the possessor of arsh even before He created the heavens and the earth. He was the king, the sovereign, even before He made us. Even before the sky and earth and everything within it came into existence, He was still king. Meaning, He was worthy of praise, He was the owner, He was the ruler, He was the master before anything existed. He is Al-Awwal, the first. Before Him, nothing. Then why did He create the creation? If the creation of the heavens and the earth did not increase in His kingship, in His sovereignty, in His deserving praise, why did He bring us into existence? لِيَبَلُوَكُمْ So that He may try you, He may test you. أَيُّكُمْ Which of you أَحْسَنُ amala is best indeed. To test the creation, to test the people. What do we do? Who does good deeds? With the choice and ability and the resources that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided man, what decisions does he make? What actions does he perform? What does he produce in his life? Who does good actions and who does otherwise? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ amala. And this is something that we really need to understand. Because if we don't understand that we are being tested in this life with what we have been given, life can become very difficult. It can become very difficult to understand basic things. Anything that's imperfect, whether it's a wrong kind of desire that a person may have, or it is anything that's not as you want it to be in your life, whatever it may be, remember it's a test. If there is a person who's having homosexual feelings, desires, if a person who's having desires of zina, whatever it may be, what is that? A bala, a test. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created someone as a man, created someone as a woman, and created someone who's neither fully a man nor fully a woman, why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created that person like that? A bala for him, a test for him. This is just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave one woman really beautiful hair and another woman less beautiful hair. Why? A test for each person. So whether it is our gender, whether it is our wishes, whether it's the money that we have, the people who are in our lives, the things that we have to see, the difficulties we have to experience in our lives, whatever it may be, what is it? A test. Allah created us to test us, to see what do we do in the situation that we're in. And those who pass this test, who fulfill the purpose of their life, who worship Allah, who respect the limits that God has set for them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will admit them where? Into Jannah. His masterpiece. لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ amala. Allah says, وَلَا إِن قُلْتَ But if you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa if you say to the people, if you tell them that إِنَّكُمْ indeed you مَبْعُوثُونَ wants to be resurrected مِنْ بَعْدِ الْمَوْتِ after death. If you tell them, just as you sleep at night and you wake up in the morning, you're going to die one day and you're going to get up, you're going to be resurrected. If you tell them about afterlife, لَيَقُولُنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Surely the disbelievers are going to say, إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرُ مُبِينَ They will say, this is nothing except clear magic. Meaning, this person is affected by magic. Meaning, he's crazy. There's got to be something wrong with his head that he's saying something like that. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical, they say. It's so difficult for them to comprehend that there's an afterlife. You know why it's so difficult for them to comprehend there's an afterlife? Because believing an afterlife means you have to face the consequences of what you've done. And it's very, very difficult to face the consequences of your actions. To see the result of what you've done. Tell me how easy it is 
to view your test paper when you receive it. How easy is it? Do you go like, yeah, okay, let me see. You're like, um, gulp, and then another gulp, and then another deep breath, and then one look, and then you look, you know, back and forth, and then again you look, really? This is the mark that I got, and then you calculate again, and then you just reread what you wrote. Why? Because it's so difficult to face your result. It's so difficult. If somebody starts reminding you about your past, you know sometimes parents remind their children about what they used to say and how they used to dress up and the kind of things they used to do. Tell me, do you enjoy it? Or do you tell your mom, mom, come on, be quiet, don't tell me. Or your baby pictures, you're like, why did you put those clothes on me? How come you didn't clean my face? How come you put me up over here? It's so embarrassing to look at your past. Isn't it? It's so embarrassing to read what you wrote. If there is ever a video that your parents made of you when you were a little kid, you don't want to see it. It's embarrassing. Maybe as a baby that was cute. But after that, when you were kind of wild, it's difficult to see it. So imagine, on the Day of Judgment, we're going to be told about what we've done in our lives. It's very difficult. It's painful. Majority of the people don't want to live like that. That they have to see the consequences of their deeds. So they say, in هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ مُبِينٌ You've got to be affected by magic to believe in something like that. Allah says, وَلَا إِنْ And surely if, أَخَّرْنَا عَنْهُمُ الْعَذَابِ We defer from them the punishment. Meaning, because of their kufr, these mushrikeen, what do they deserve? Punishment. But if we defer it from them, meaning we don't punish them immediately, we let them live for some time to give them more chances. إِلَا until أُمَّةٍ مَعْدُودَةٍ Ummah over here gives the meaning of a term, a time. Ma'duda meaning numbered, fixed, limited. Ma'duda is basically from adad. Adad is what? A number. And when something is numbered, it is counted, it's limited. Because if let's say there's a hundred items, now it's limited to a hundred. It's limited. No matter how much it is, it's limited. If you have two boxes of yogurt, I mean, it's limited. You go to the grocery store, you're like, you know what, let me buy as much as possible. No matter how much you get, it's going to be limited because you're eventually going to run out of it, right? Ummah over here means term. Why? Why doesn't it mean nation? Because the word ummah is like that. It has four meanings. In the Qur'an, it's used in four ways. What's the meaning that you are familiar with? Nation. A group of people. But the word ummah is also used for leader. Remember Ibrahim a.s. he was told that Ibrahim a.s. was, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes him, that inna Ibrahim kana ummah. He was an ummah. A leader. So, a nation, a leader. Over here we see that it gives the meaning of a term, a time period. And the fourth meaning is religion. Inshallah that also we will learn. So Allah says, if we were to defer them, meaning their punishment, until a fixed time, لَيَقُولُنَّ Surely they would definitely say, مَا يَحْبِسُ What is holding it back? Meaning, it's been so long, we've been hearing from Muhammad ﷺ, if we don't believe there's going to be consequences. Well, what's holding it back? What's holding it back? How come it's not here yet? Allah says, Allah, unquestionably, يَوْمَ يَأْتِيهِمْ The day it will come to them. The day the punishment arrives, لَيْسَ مَصْرُوفًا عَنْهُمْ It is not going to be averted from them. Masruf from sarf. What does sarf mean? To turn away. Masruf, one that is turned away. It is not going to be turned away from them. وَحَاقَ بِهِمْ And it will encircle them. مَا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسْتَهْزِئُونَ That which they used to mock at. Because when they said, مَا يَحْبِسُ What's holding it back? How come it's not here? What were they doing basically? Mocking. They were making fun. They were ridiculing the messenger. So Allah says that same ridicule, that same mockery is going to come and encircle them. Meaning then they will not be able to escape. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the typical psychology of people. Their typical habits. And what is that? That in good times, in hard times, people change. When people experience something good in their life, a blessing they don't remain the same. They don't keep their feet on the ground. And when they are suffering from some problem, they don't remain on the earth. They go deep in depression. They give up hope. They go to extremes. They fluctuate. They have really bad mood swings. Literally mood swings. 
At times they're super happy and then they're super down and then they're very happy and then it's like as if they're the most miserable human being walking on the earth. They don't remain calm. They don't remain composed in good times and bad times. They change. Why? Because of the weakness that they have inside of them. Weakness of what? Weakness of trust in Allah. Weakness of faith. So whether it is some happiness or some sadness, they get affected in every respect, mentally, physically, emotionally, they instantly change. And this is man's weakness. Allah says over here, وَلَا إِنْ And surely if, أَذَقْنَا insan, We make the human being taste. أَذَقْنَا From ذوق, to taste. We make a person taste. minna from us. Meaning Allah makes that person taste, experience a little bit of what? رَحْمَةً a mercy. Rahma mercy, meaning any mercy, any kind of blessing of this life, whether it's some money, health, beautiful body, youth, energy, friends, family, beauty, nice hair, nice job, nice degree. If we make al-insan, al-insan means any human being, regardless whether believing, non-believing, man, woman, child, adult, this is the typical way in which people react. As soon as they get a blessing, summa then, نَزَعْنَاهَا We pull it away. We take it away. نَزَعَ is to pull something away. The person doesn't want to give it up. It's like snatched away from him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes it back from him. He takes that mercy back from him. What happens to the person? He stays the same? He stays calm and composed? No. إِنَّهُ Indeed he لَيَأُوسٌ Surely very despairing. Kafur, Very ungrateful. Ya'uz is from يَهَمْزَسِينَ Yes, to despair. Kafur, from kufr. And kufr also means ingratitude. So he becomes very, very despairing and he becomes extremely ungrateful. This is the reaction of who? Many people. Al-insan. There are exceptions, but this is generally the reaction of people. Despair, extreme ingratitude, depression. They get very upset. They think there's no reason to live. Some people go to the extent of hurting themselves, cutting themselves, beating themselves up, banging their head on the wall, trying to kill themselves. They show anger, they show rage. They become very, very furious. Such severe reaction. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gave a rahmah, and He took that rahmah away. Not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stripped that person off of every blessing that they were given. Is that so? Is a person deprived of every blessing? No. Remember that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes something away, there is always still many, many blessings in your life. Many blessings. The other day somebody was telling me about this lady who when her husband passed away, she wanted to make sure that the inheritance was distributed according to the sharia. So she did that. And because she didn't have any children from her husband, and he had a lot of family, basically the share that she got was very, very limited. And she got extremely sick, so whatever money she got, you know, went in her treatment. And basically she was left homeless, and no family member was willing to take care of her. So people were wondering, I mean, she decided to distribute the inheritance of Sharia away, and look at how she's suffering. You see, Allah gave that husband, Allah took him away. Allah gave that money, He took it away. But did He take away everything? No. This woman, they were saying, is so nice. She's so kind. She's so happy and content and peaceful. And there are family members who don't care for her, but yet there are some other distant family members who have welcomed her in their own house. And she lives with them. The kind of love and treatment that she's receiving from them, you couldn't get it from your own children. Remember, if Allah takes a rahmah away, First of all, He gave it to you in the first place anyway. He has all the right to take it back because it belongs to Him. And secondly, if He has taken one thing away, He hasn't taken everything away. But what's the reaction of most people? Ya'us. I've got nothing left in life. I've got nothing left. Kafur, ungrateful. Why did God do this to me? What benefit did I get? Ya'us. And kafur, extremely despairing, very, very ungrateful. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi We all know the story, or most of us know the story of the wise man in Musa alayhi salam, right? 
where um, he was told to go learn from him and Khadr. he w- yes okay. and he went through so much things and he told him he can't ask any questions throughout it. and then towards the end he told him um, the, the wisdom behind to, everything yeah the reason be- behind everything he did and then when he got to the part where he killed the young boy and he said why did he kill that young boy who was just sleeping there and he said um, because he later in life will bring problems to his parents and his parents are very um, pious people we look at it from that point of view but do we look at it from the point of view of his parents they have now lost a son and they're going through the loss of that child but they most likely will have patience because they are pious people and if you look at it, the wisdom behind it Allah is going to give them another child through the loss of that one yes, because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a blessing away from a servant remember that in itself is a blessing that in itself is a blessing. You know like we say blessing in disguise? You know like I mentioned to you earlier that life only makes sense in hindsight. Right now, whatever is happening, you lose something, you get something, it doesn't make sense to you. You're like, why? But two years from now, maybe 24 hours from now, you'll get it. You're like, oh, makes sense. It happened for the better. I don't have any regrets. It'll make sense to you, but later. But many people, what's their reaction? Anger. Ingratitude, frustration, despair. Assalamu alaikum. My mom was sharing a story with me once how she read online that there was a couple and they lost their son and he was about 17 or 18. And another family member asked them that like, the mom was pretty normal, she wasn't that upset. And then the mom was telling the husband that, you know, our son, he was a toy that Allah gave us to play with for all these years. And it was for him to take away this toy from us. But it was a toy only. And it was Allah's property. Remember the story of Um Sulaim, radiallahu anha? Her husband was traveling and her son, baby, fell ill. And while he was still away, the baby passed away. She bathed the baby, got him ready for the funeral, everything, and the husband came back. And she didn't tell him, our son has died, and this happened, nothing. He came, gave him dinner, fulfilled his wishes, everything. And then afterwards asked him that, if somebody were to give you an amanah to keep, and they come to take it, would you give it? Like, yes, of course I would give it. Because it belongs to them. They just gave it to me temporarily to keep. Of course I would return it happily. So she said, well, our son was given to us by Allah and he has taken him away. He said, okay. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. We belong to Allah and to him we will return. We are his anyway. He gave this to us and he will take it back. But unfortunately, majority of people, what is their reaction? Ya'us kafur. Angry, frustrated, despair, unhappy, as if everything has been taken away from them. Wala in adakunahu, and if we were to make him taste na'ma, what is na'ma? Favor, blessing, such blessing that is visible, visible on the person. You know, like for example, if a person is making money, it can't just sit in his bank account. It becomes very obvious that okay, this person's making money. He's got some money. How is it obvious? His clothes, his watch, his glasses, his shoes, his car, his house, the way he spends on food, the way he gives charity, it's obvious. Allah says, if we make him taste a favor, after some hardship. He was suffering a lot. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him a taste of some blessings. Masatu that had touched him, meaning some difficulty that had previously touched him. What's the reaction? Does he still remain calm and composed and grateful and still obedient? No. Majority of people, لَيَقُولَنَّ Surely they will definitely say, ذَهَبَ السَّيِّئَاتُ عَنِّي All the sayyat are gone from me. All my problems are gone. You know, I'm, I'm so happy. Everything's fine. Everything's good. إِنَّهُ لَفَرِحٌ فَخُورٌ Indeed, he becomes surely farih and fakhur. Farih from faraha, farh to be happy. Isn't it nice to be happy? It's nice. But farih is someone who's so happy that he's almost proud. Which is why the next word is fakhur. Fakhur is from fakhr. And fakhr, you may have heard of the word fakhar. That human being has been made from the clay that is like fakhar, kal fakhar. 
فخار is basically potter's clay. You know, clay with which pottery is made. So imagine a cup or you know a bowl or something that is made from clay. Have you ever seen anything like that? Okay. What happens if you strike it? What happens? You hear a sound. Just a small touch and you will hear some noise. Fakhur is to be boastful, to be a show-off. Show-off. He gets blessings after some difficulty and he becomes so boastful, he goes on showing off like he's something. Like he never suffered anything in the past. He says, ذَابَ سَيِّئَاتُ عَنِّي إِنَّهُ لَفَرِحٌ فَخُورٌ He thinks himself as very great. Instead of being grateful, he thinks, I'm the best. What do we learn in these two verses? If he loses something, he's sad, he gets very sad. And if he gets something, he's happy, he gets very happy. He's either down in the dumps, he cannot keep his feet on the ground. Extremes. Extremes in his life. There is no moderation. Assalamualaikum. Uh, in psychology, we've covered a, uh, a similar topic that if someone is going through difficulty, they tend to blame the things around them. They blame other people. They blame circumstances. If you did bad on a test, oh, you know, I was distracted, something bad happened. And then when something good happens, when they're successful, they tend to boast internal, uh, you know, properties and uh, characters. I'm so smart. Exactly. Right? So whenever something good happens for themselves, they say, oh, it's, you know, because I did well, I studied hard, it was my own good. They give credit to themselves. And if they suffer, they blame others. All right? And over here, what is being mentioned? The reaction. But there are some exceptions. There are some people who remain calm and composed who can keep themselves together, who don't change with what's happening in their life, who, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ sabaru, Except for those people who are patient, وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ And who do righteous deeds, أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ كَبِيرٌ For them is forgiveness and a great reward. Who? Those who do sabr and those who do amal salih. They remain as they were. Whether they get money, they get really rich, or they become really poor. They get very healthy or they get very sick. Regardless of their circumstances, how do they remain? Patient, composed, and consistent in their worship. They don't become angry with Allah. They remain humble. They're able to contain their feelings. They're able to control them. But typically what happens? A person is sad, and they're snapping, and they're yelling, and they're venting, and they're angry. They're breaking things, and they justify it. How? That this is how I feel inside. I can't keep everything inside. I'm not a hypocrite that I'm feeling something else inside and I'm showing that I'm very happy. This is how they justify it. That I have to express myself. And because of that, they have the license to yell, they have the license to hurt others' feelings, they have the license to do whatever they want. Is that something that befits a believer? No. The Prophet ﷺ, he suffered from extreme pain. He suffered from many difficulties in his life. But you don't see him yelling at people right, left and center. You don't see him hurting his family members. No, he didn't do that. Typically what happens? If someone has a very stressful job, what happens? Immediately they go through divorce. Or their children, they're abused in their house. Or they are very short-tempered. It affects their personality. They're not able to control themselves. They become overly sensitive. And sometimes they develop psychological issues also because they don't have anyone to turn to. You see, Iman, it gives you hope. It gives you the ability to be patient. It gives you the ability to remain humble because it always reminds you, Allah is watching. I am answerable to Him. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ صَبَرُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ كَبِيرٌ like Umar anhu, he said that bulina fasabarna. We were tested with difficulties and we were patient because we saw the difficulty and we realized it was a test, so we tried our best to be patient. But bulina falam nasbir. We were tested with good times, but we weren't patient. This is the typical reaction of people when they're going through good times; they forget to be patient. 
In a hadith we learn, By he in whose hand is my soul, no worry, calamity, distress, illness, or grief strikes a believer, even the prick of a thorn, except that Allah will expiate his sins for him because of it. But what happens? Prick of a thorn and a big ouch, as if your limb just got amputated. This is how we react. We've become so overly sensitive, so overly reactive, that we don't have any tolerance. Our pain tolerance is so low. Somebody gives us a look and we think as if our heart has been cut. Come on, man. Come on. I mean, have some courage for every little thing. You hurt me. You said this to me. Ouch. And I got hurt. And you didn't apologize. We behave like children. I was thinking that when we keep these bad feelings inside ourselves, we forget them very soon. For example, I noticed um, recently that when I'm mad at my brother or sister and I don't say anything to them and I just decide in myself that I'm not going to talk to them, after 5-10 minutes I start talking to them and I forget if I was ever mad at them. Yes. But then once I say it out loud, then... It just gets know, worse and worse. Yeah. Right? Now again, when you're keeping it inside, meaning you're controlling yourself, you're doing sabr, habsun nafs, that doesn't mean that you don't say anything, but inside you're angry. You know what it means? You have to forgive them in your heart also. Because if you don't forgive them in your heart, you know what's going to happen? These emotions, they're going to be bottled up and then there's going to be an explosion. That is not sabr. Sabr is what? You forgive them on the outside and also on the inside. You decide yourself, you're going to let it go. You decide that you're going to let it go. You're not going to make a big deal of it. And if you show on the outside, oh, it's okay. On the inside, you're cursing them. It's going to come out one day. And it's going to come out really bad. It's going to hurt you. It's going to break you. It's going to break them. That's not the proper way of doing sabr. Proper way of doing sabr is that really, you forgive someone from your heart. You set yourself free. You know, a grudge is called ghil. Why is it called ghil? Aghlal, chains, is also from the same root. Because when a person keeps a grudge inside, first of all, he chains himself up. But when you forgive someone, you let yourself free and you free the other person also. If you're going on the pursuit of revenge, take two graves instead of one. You know what that means? You're going to hurt the other person and you're also going to hurt yourself. So what's the best way? Sabr. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ صَبَرُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ كَبِيرٌ And this is why everything is good for a believer. If he goes through hard times, he is patient and that's good for him. If he goes through something good, again he is patient and that is good for him. But this is for who? For who? Only the believer. Because he realizes, my Lord... My Lord allowed this to happen to me for a reason. He knows, I don't know, I'll just accept it and deal with it. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا وَلَئِن قُلْتَ إِنَّكُمْ مَبْعُوثُونَ مِنْ بَعْدِ الْمَوْتِ لَيَقُولَنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَيَقُولَنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ وَلَئِنْ أَخَّرْنَا عَنْهُمُ الْعَذَابَ إِلَىٰ أُمَّةٍ مَعْدُودَةٍ لَيَقُولُنَّ مَا يَحْبِسُهُ 
أَلَا يَوْمَ يَأْتِيهِمْ لَيْسَ مَصْرُوفًا عَنْهُمْ وَحَاقَ بِهِمْ مَا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسْتَهْزِئُونَ وَلَئِنْ أَذَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ مِنَّا رَحْمَةً ثُمَّ نَزَعْنَاهَا مِنْهُ إِنَّهُ لَيَأُوسٌ كَفُورٌ وَلَئِنْ أَذَقْنَاهُ نَعْمَاءَ بَعْدَ ضَرَّاءَ مَسَّتْهُ لَيَقُولَنَّ ذهب السيئات عني إنه لفرح فخور إلا الذين صبروا وعملوا الصالحات أولئك لهم مغفرة وأجر كبير Now, what's the best way of keeping yourself together, keeping calm when going through good times or bad times? What's the best way? Reminding yourself, Allah gave me this blessing. I better remember Him because He can always take it away. And when you lose something, always remember, Allah gave it to me once, He can give it to me again. Remain hopeful, always. Hopefully Allah will give me something better instead of this. He took this away from me so that He could give me better. Always remain hopeful. Whether you lose a job, you lose a person, no matter who it is, what it is, always remember Allah wants the best for me. If this is gone, hopefully He'll give me something better. And you know what keeps a person stay together and calm in difficult times? It's sabr and amal salih. Because those who do amal salih, they learn to control their emotions. They have control over themselves, over their reaction, over what they say. And people who don't generally do amal salih, what happens? They're too weak before their nafs. They become slaves to their nafs. So whatever they feel like, they say it. Whatever they want to do, they do it. However they react, inside, you know, the storm, they have no control over it. So what is necessary if we want to remain calm and composed in difficult times? Like somebody very close to us passes away. You see somebody is really calm and another person is losing their mind. Why? Because one person used to do amal salih, he has tawakkul ala Allah. He has hope in Allah. He has faith in God. This is why he can survive that difficult test. And the one who doesn't have a greater being to rely upon, then of course he's going to lose himself. Take the example of Khansa radiallahu anha. You know, in Jahiliyyah before Islam, she lost a brother. She was so sad. She said verses of poetry, so much in his remembrance. She was so sad and upset for years and years. This woman embraced Islam. Four of her sons died in the way of Allah. She was fine. She lost a brother, she almost lost her mind. She loses four children now, boys. She's perfectly fine. What was the difference? Iman, right? She had faith in God. She depended on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sabr, amal salih. For such people there is maghfirah. Why forgiveness? Because for every difficulty that a believer suffers, his sins are being erased. And ajrun kabir for what? For his patience and his hope in God. So these are the times when Allah tests us. Our real person is exposed and based on that will our result be in the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that composure and that inner strength that we can bear the difficulties of life and inshallah get something in the akhirah.